Today's reading is taken from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It's happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "Is it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, good morning everyone. My name's Gillian, for those of you that don't know me, and let's just start by praying. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can learn so much from just looking at one small part of the Bible. Thank you for the way that you interacted with the disciples on that beach when they were so forlorn at losing their master Jesus, or so they thought. And we just pray as we unpack this now that you would speak to us and show us what it means to us in life in our century and our area of Sunbury or wherever we live. We ask this in your name. Amen. So it's one week since we celebrated Easter. Seems a long while ago to me. I don't know what it feels like to you. I had to think yesterday, was it actually only a week ago? I think I'm right in saying it was. So we celebrated Easter and the miracle of Jesus being resurrected from the dead. But was that the end of it all? What was the rest of the story? 
Well, the Gospels vary in what they tell us. According to Luke, Jesus appeared to two men, one named Cleopas, on the road to Emmaus on the afternoon of the resurrection. He went to their home, and when he broke bread with them, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. According to John, Jesus appeared to to the disciples that evening as they were gathered behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. Thomas, you may remember, was absent on that occasion, and John goes on to say that Jesus appeared again in the same place a week later. This time, Thomas was there, and he got to see for himself the nail prints in Jesus' hands and feet. Jesus said to him, don't be unbelieving, but believing. Now, according to Paul, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Well, he doesn't say when this took place or where. In the book of Acts, which comes after the Gospels, we're told that Jesus made numerous appearances over the course of 40 days. From all indications, though, the final appearance of Jesus happened much later. And it took place not in and around Jerusalem like the others, but near the Sea of Galilee, which is 100 miles to the north. And it's this appearance that we're looking at today. Now, this wasn't just a one-off incident in history. But it shows a way that Jesus continued to appear to his disciples and does so even today. In the um, reading, it said, after these things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Now, we take that to mean that that was after all the other appearances. They'd stopped. But we really don't know how much time has passed by. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. But we do know that it would have taken the disciples about five days to get to Galilee from Jerusalem. If they'd waited in Jerusalem until all the other appearances were over, it would probably have been a couple of months later, or maybe even longer. Then let's look at the number of disciples that were there. John only mentioned seven. So what were the others doing? Also, Galilee was the home for the disciples. And so we suspect that this story took place long enough after the resurrection that maybe their faith had begun to wear a bit thin. They were a bit confused about what they were waiting for. And they were beginning to think, well, I better pick up the pieces of my life. I don't really know what Jesus wants me to do. He's not here to tell me. So when Peter announced to the others, I'm going fishing, What he probably meant, or could have meant, was, I'm going back to fishing, back to my old way of life. And the other disciples with him said, good idea, we'll come with you. Now, we might be able to identify with Peter in that. We go down that sort of road ourselves. Sometimes when God seems so near and blessing us in so many ways, it's as if God is literally standing right next to us. But other times it seems like God is on the other side of the universe. And we don't know really 
how to make contact. There have been times when our prayers seem to have an immediate and tangible response. And there have been times when prayers seem to just go unanswered altogether. So, yeah, we can identify with Peter and the others and the anguish they must have felt as they reluctantly let go of the unfulfilled promises and the unrealized hopes and dreams of their life with Jesus. We've got the advantage of looking back and knowing what happened. But, of course, they were in the current time and really knew very little of what they were going to encounter. Have you ever got to the point where you want to throw in the towel and say, Oh, it's Christianity. It's hard work. Let's walk away from it. I know people that have. But the good news is that God is faithful and abounds in steadfast love. And even during the times when we can feel so discouraged and impatient and that all hope is lost, God comes to us and calls us back into relationship with himself. And that's just what happened in this story on the beach. So the disciples went out into the boat onto the Sea of Galilee all night, which is what the fishermen tended to do because it was the best time to fish, and they caught nothing. Now, you may remember another time in their lives when they went out to fish at night and caught nothing. There's a lot of deja vu comes up in this story. But this is what happens to us when we give up on God and try and strike out on our own and think, oh, I know better. We can spend a lot of time and effort and often a lot of money without anything to show for it in return. In the Psalms, there is a verse that says, unless God builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. We need God involved in our lives. It's worth considering that in the game of life, once we lose sight of where we're headed, once we stop listening for God's voice and seeking God's will for our life, we start going round, in, round and round, faster and faster, spinning in circles, and often getting absolutely nowhere. When we're not in sync with God's will for us, Nothing seems to go right. Everything is uncoordinated and in conflict with itself. Once we get back in the right direction and we're in the flow of God's Holy Spirit leading our life, then things will start to fall into place again. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's our perspective and our viewpoint that makes that difference. Now, back to the actual event that we're talking about. Jesus is standing on the beach, but they didn't know that it was Jesus. And in one version, he actually says to them, children, have you anything to eat? Now, can you imagine those big burly fishermen being called children? I found that quite amazing. But... They answered, no, we haven't. And then he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. They did that and they got a net full so full of fish that it is amazing that net didn't break. 
in the previous time when that had happened, the net broke because there were so many fish. But this time, that wasn't to be. Now, this may have bring two obvious questions to mind. Why weren't they able to recognize Jesus? And what did Jesus actually know about fishing? He was a carpenter. Well, we can answer both those questions on two levels. On the surface level, a practical level, the disciples weren't yet able to recognize Jesus because dawn was just breaking. The sky was at that stage between darkness and light, which is the hardest time of the day to see. But on a deeper level, they didn't recognize Jesus because he'd not yet revealed himself to them. Think back a little bit earlier in the Easter story to when Mary was in the garden. Only as Jesus called her by her name was she able to recognize him in the face of the gardener. Now, God will come to us and reveal himself to us only as he chooses. Now, as for how Jesus knew where the fish were biting, apparently, in the Sea of Galilee, the schools of fish are easier to spot from the bank than on the water. I've never been fishing, so I know nothing about that, but that's what, what is said. Now, in the Greek text of this, it indicates that Jesus already anticipated the answer to this question. You don't have any fish, do you? Now, the fishermen would have been tired, disgruntled, they'd have been hungry, because they'd been out all night, casting their nets, and getting nothing. So, yeah, they acknowledged, no, we haven't caught anything. But on this level of faith, what's important here is that in spite of their tiredness, the disciples were willing to take Jesus at his word, or this man on the beach at his word, and throw out their nets once more. And then the nets were filled with great big fish. Now, they caught the fish not because they were lucky, but because they listened to Jesus. And the question each of us needs to ask ourselves at this point is, am I willing to listen for the voice of God and act on faith alone? Well, by now, we could see the story isn't just about fishing at all, but about trusting in God and his sovereignty. Now, the disciple who Jesus loved, who was John, realized and said, it's Jesus. So when Peter heard this, he was a bit impetuous at times. So he threw his cloak around him, jumped into the sea, and ran or swam to the beach. That might seem a bit strange to put more clothes on to jump into the sea, but apparently the fisherman's garb of the day was quite a loose item of clothing. And if he'd jumped in, it would have all got wrapped around his legs and could have been quite awkward to swim in. By putting his outer garment on, it was more contained and he would have been able to move through the water easier. And so that got him safely to the shore. Now, they were close enough to the shore that the other disciples could drag the contents of the net 
to shore instead of just emptying it into the bottom of the boat as they would have done in the past. Now, the provision that they were given that day is abundant. The number 153 fish occurs. There's various um, reasons for why the number 153. It's not a number we usually see in the Bible, but it could just indicate a massive amount. There's one theory that it could be the number of known species of fish that were in around at that time. There's no one hard and fast answer to that. Being a number person, I always look these things up. They get to the beach. Now, how would we have responded if we'd just got off that sh boat and we see Jesus there, who we knew we'd seen crucified the week before, resurrected? What would we have, how would we have reacted? Would we have run up to him and hugged him? Would we have been a bit reticent? Probably would have depended on how we were feeling at the time and how our relationship was with him over the Easter story. Think back to it. Some of the disciples had turned against Jesus during that Easter week. They'd denied that they knew him. They weren't really in a good place with Jesus and they hadn't had a chance and probably didn't ever expect a chance to get that resolved. So it could probably have been quite a quiet but intimate time that they would have had. A time to um, where some of them, as I say, would have, could have felt a bit embarrassed and ashamed. But when they see where Jesus has set out the breakfast... They wouldn't necessarily have expected to see a fire already with the cooked fish there. They would probably have thought they were going to cook the fish they'd just caught. It would have taken a long time to heat the burning coals. But the Lord who directed the fish into the fishermen's nets is also the same Lord who fed hungry multiples a few months before with loaves and fishes. He was able to provide for his people in large and small ways. So he says to the disciples, he wants some of these fish that have just been caught. The disciples are sort of, oh, okay, they're in a state of awe. And so Peter does go back and help get some of the fish. And Jesus' invitation to them was as simple to them as it is to us today. Come and eat breakfast. Come and break the fast. Come and eat with me. Satisfy the longing of your soul for nourishment and sustenance and life in all its abundance. Strengthen yourself for the days ahead. Jesus gave them the bread, and he gave them the fish. Another sense of deja vu there. They ate together, Jesus and the disciples, 
eventually they went back to Jerusalem and they bore witness to the living Christ, continued his work of feeding the hungry, healing the sick, and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. Every time they encountered Jesus, they became more sure of what God had called them to do. Even to this day, when we break the bread and share the cup of Holy Communion, we're celebrating the good news that Jesus Christ is risen and is among us. So let me just finish with a personal, on a personal note and ask, where do you stand in relationship with Jesus today? Are you in close communion with him? Or are you a bit like the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee where you're feeling a bit unsure, a bit dejected maybe? You don't quite know which direction life's taking you in. Perhaps you haven't made a conscious decision to throw in the towel and, you know, be in charge of life. But maybe you've just become a bit relaxed in your relationship with Jesus and the time you spend with him has sort of diminished. An active and a vital faith requires a lot of self-discipline and intentional effort. So are you as close to God now as you've been in the past or as you'd like to be in the future? Or maybe the problem is you've become too busy. I was talking with someone before the service about how diaries are starting to get full up and there's clashes and things are happening that during pandemic times we said, we're not going to let this happen again. Our lives are getting busier. Are we going round in circles? Round and round, faster and faster, but getting nowhere. Are we trying to keep up with the pace of the world instead of flowing smoothly and gently with God's spirit? If any of this strikes a chord with you, listen up. Get back into the wellspring of God's spirit. Come and break fast with Jesus. Come home to where God is. Feast on the riches of God's love. Satisfy the longing of your soul for food and for life. The living Jesus is here among us. And we are all invited to lifelong communion and fellowship with him. Come, break the fast. Hunger no more. Amen.